Welcome everyone. On today's episode, we address questions on single versus double opt-in, subject line testing, sender name versus brand name, prime day, and more cart abandonment splits. I'm Greg Zakowitz. And I'm Gabe McAluso. Greg, did you know that July 27th is take your houseplant for a walk day? You know, Gabe, I tried that once, but I think I put the leash on a bit too tight. Poor guy kept up for about a quarter mile before his neck snapped. Oh, like a twig. Welcome, everybody, to today's show. You know how it works. Five topics, three minutes each. We run long, Hector yells at us, and we move on. Before we get started, go ahead and click that like and subscribe button. If you have any email questions you want us to answer, leave them in the comment section. Now, remember, kids, great email marketing doesn't have to be expensive, and it's a myth. OmniSend shatters every single day, so be sure to find out more at OmniSend.com. Our first topic today, Gabe, is about email subscriber opt-in process. So when collecting email addresses, should brands use a single or double opt-in? What do you say? That's a tough question because it's should. Should is the key word there, right? So should you do yeah. something? Um, I re- In a perfect world, yes, right? Because then not only are you saying like, yes, I want to hear from you, but I really want to hear from you. So your quality of your contact list it's way, way better, right? So you've got people that are actively engaging and they've agreed to even to hear from you again. So quality goes way up, quantity goes down. So should you blanket kind of foundational statement? Yes. Do you need to? I guess is the other question. No, you don't need to. Um, To me, if you have a clear opt-in form, pop-up form that says, hey, we're going to send you messages, it's a pretty explicit opt-in. So I don't think you need to do it. Should you do it? Yeah, I think those are the two differences. Um, again, balance of that quantity versus quality. You spend a lot of money to get people to your website. You want to be able to own that email address and be able to contact them, especially as we get into Black Friday, Cyber Monday, which is not too far off. Um, I would say, should you? Yes. Need you? Need to? No. How about you, Greg? What do you think? So I, I look at it from a consumer standpoint and how I'd like to do it. I don't like double opt-ins, right? I sometimes get the second email and then I pause and I'm like, yeah, I don't know. Do I really want this thing after all? Sometimes I delete, sometimes I sign up, but there's a lot of people that, that miss those. And, you know, those normally don't land in my spam folder, but there's a small chance that it always could, right? So you could lose. I had on my talking points quality versus quantity. You stole that from me, so I agree. Um, should you? I don't think you should unless you have significant issues with like bots coming to your site. Maybe, I don't know, maybe Russia really likes to bot spam you or something, uh, but it does happen. So if that happens, I want to switch to a double. Maybe it's a temporary thing until that subsides. But um, the other thing is if you're running any sort of contest, always make sure the contest prize matches what your audience normally wants, right? Everyone wants an iPad, not everyone wants a pair of designer shoes. So I would say from that standpoint, but I look at a consumer standpoint, you're right. It's big, it's bold, it's in front of me. I know what I'm doing when I see that box and I pop up. Uh, it pops up. So put the email address in. Let me get on with my day. Give me the incentive or give me whatever welcome message you want and we can call it a day from there. So uh, I think if you're going to play with the double opt-in, now is not the time, right? Wait until January, right? Do not lower your odds of getting email addresses for the holiday season. Uh, So I think we're in pretty good agreement here. That being said, just want to throw it out there. There is nothing wrong with having a double opt-in you're just going to have fewer subscribers um, and you're going to miss on some of those. So 
Look at this. Hector loves us because we are two seconds early and the bell's going to ring right now. So this is awesome. Uh, we're off to a good start. So let's move on. We're lucky that, that we're lucky. All right. So Greg, our next topic is subject lines. Subject line tactics like using emojis or a sense of urgency change all the time and often from campaign to campaign. Plus, we know that open rate is not a gold star metric anymore. Considering this, is subject line testing even worth the effort? Yeah, sure. Why not? What do we got to lose here, right? So, uh, I, you know, this is one thing that we preached at OmniSend when iOS 15 was rolling around. We're on like 17 dot something. So, uh, but we're a good 18 months kind of since full, you know, full uh, adoption of it. So whatever inflated open rates we saw back then compared to previous, those have kind of subsided now. They're baselines, right? We have 18 months worth of kind of inflated open rates going. Uh, we've got a stats report coming out here momentarily, but I think the average open rate on a campaign is like 23, 24, someone in there, but we have our baseline. So sure, why not, right? We have more options to kind of compare equal for equal uh, as best you can. I would say we're coming up on Black Friday, right? And everyone's talking points are going to be dominated by Black Friday type stuff in this holiday season. So why not play around with some of those different words or uh, emojis and just try to figure out, hey, can we squeak out an extra 3% here, 2% here? Sometimes it's going to be negligible. It's going to be 0.2, which is always the challenge with subject line testing because... When I was consulting, people were like, I want to do a subject line testing. And I was always like, you sure that's what you want to do here? Right. So if you've known me from the past, you'd be like, Greg, you're flipping your switch here. But, you know, typically what you would see is, you know, 0.2, 0.3% differential. Really, it's like, that's not, that's just kind of happenstance. Right. So, uh, you know, play around with it. There's nothing wrong with it. Use a subject line tester, figure out maybe what doesn't work for you is maybe the more important thing. And kind of move on. So yeah, do it. It's easy. It doesn't really cost you anything, um, and it, it, it takes an extra four seconds of your time. So, all right, I've dominated time. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm kind of on the same page in terms of like, if you've got time to do it, okay. And then the real question is, once you test, what are you going to do with the results? So if you have yeah. no intent of of changing your strategy, but you're just kind of like, oh, I wonder what's going to happen. Like, to me, it's like not worth the test. And I mean, we've all been in situations where we've like help a customer set up a test. They test the open or click rate as our metric. So message A wins. Yes. But then we look at the end results and we realize that message B with the subject line that lost drove 3x the revenue. So yes, it's like there's so many variables that can go into subject line testing. To me, it's like it's I'd like to go back to be like, who created the subject line test and was like, here's an essential email marketing strategy, subject line testing. It's like, <laughs> it's the same person that invented 60, 40 text image ratio. It's that same I was person. 80, 20, 80, 20, whatever. No, trans is, that's right? transactional. That's transactional. <laughs> yeah. So there you go. But yeah, I agree. It's like right. subject line, like, sure. If you want to have fun, if you want to play around with it, if you're trying something new, like kind of like, oh, how is my database going to react to emojis? I've never done an emoji before. Sure. Throw an emoji in there. But just be mindful of what are you actively testing? To me, like, if you want to go full content testing, and that involves a different subject line, because you're checking to see, like, do people respond to a dollar off versus a percentage off better? That, to me, is, like, where you can kind of pivot subject line testing to be more holistic in your... This is the science teacher coming yeah. out of me. I'm like, eh, how valid is this experiment? So... 
What's the downside? Right. Follow the revenue, follow the cash as always, and we're good okay. there. We've we've gone over time, Gabe. So we're back in Hector's dog. We had two I, seconds from the previous question, so we just moved it over here. <laughs> <laughs> now we're in the now we're in the red. Uh okay. Third question, Gabe. Let's stay on sending here. So should the sender name be a person's name in a company X, like Gabe from Coffins Plus, or just the brand name Coffins Plus? What do you think? I love that we're back to the coffin. So this is great. Full I had to stick it in there. Um, I, you know, I love I love the brand experience, Greg. You know this. Our viewers know this as they've been watching. I love creating a story and, and telling that brand experience. So I think if it fits your brand, yeah, it totally makes sense. Um, I think you can also play around with like, you can test the from name with some <laughs> campaigns um, and have some fun with it. You know, I worked with this brand years ago and every once in a while they would do like probably twice a month they would do like a heavy content email and it was like the founder's favorites perfect example of when they should use like jill at coffinsplus.com right like here's my personal experience here's my favorite coffin i love a good mahogany right you can you can kind of get <laughs> dig into it uh, dig into it man i am on fire <laughs> i prefer pine yeah there you go um so Anyway, so yes, I think there are time and place that doing a personalized name totally makes sense. Also, depending on what vertical you're in. So if you have sort of like this boutique brand and your story is like all about the founder and like why they've created this niche, or it's like, you know, I think health and supplements is probably a big one too, where you have like these coaches that are helping you. There's a whole bunch of things you can do with that. Uh, Tommy John, the underwear brand does a phenomenal job with this. They'll do like personalized, like, um, email sends from their concierge service and it's like it's clearly like a mail merge kind of situation but you can tell they're splitting up their audience and they're sending it from different support reps to like personalize that journey yeah yeah so i like the brand that experience well again i'll take it from the consumer standpoint i typically do not like seeing a person's name from the consumer standpoint it's like gabe of coffins plus but a lot of times the brand name gets cut off right based on the person's first name and kind of zoom level and stuff there so might be Gabe from, and I'm like, I don't know Gabe. Well, in this case, I do, but most cases, like I might mark that a junk or I'm deleting it. I'm done with this, right? I don't need to know that person's name. I don't know Gabe, they don't know me. It doesn't make it more personalized. However, like what you said, right? We can play around with the sender's from name. So you wanna put, I know some brands will put like emojis in their from name. You could do an asterisk or something like that, kind of make it stand out especially on like Black Friday or something, but you make it stand out a little bit when you're looking at the inbox there. So that can work for you. It's not gonna land you in spam. Um, the other thing you see is if you have a special like VIP only sale, right? You'll see this from uh, Coffins Plus VIP sale, right? As you're sending. So you get the brand name in there, but you also specify that it's a VIP sale, right? Maybe you've bought three caskets because you're you're kicking off your members, you know, left and right, but you're that good customer, right? Maybe you got to earn to go with it. Um, so I don't necessarily like the tactic, but I think there are things you can do beyond just putting the brand name in there to get the same results you want to get. And that's the approach I would personally take with it. Awesome. Right on three minutes, Gabe. Let that bell okay, ring. Good. We are that rolling. Means we can go two minutes around this next question. So here we go. Excellent. <laughs> All right, let's move on to our trends topic of the day, which is about prime day there will be another prime day in the fall presumably in october which will fit unofficially kick off the holiday season what are some tips brands can do to compete with prime day 
All right, so I'm going to kill some time right here. You like how I changed the industry topic to the trends topic? I like it. It just Very fits fancy. better, right? So, uh, okay. So, yes, go ahead and call them out, right? It's Prime Day. Everyone knows it's Prime Day. Most people are Prime members. Those that are not probably want to be Prime members or they're borrowing someone else's Prime membership and getting stuff shipped to their house. So, yeah, are they going to buy? Sure. Go ahead and call them out, right? Coffins Plus. We're selling coffins here. You know, our Prime Day sales, go ahead and use the brand name. Call them out for selling junk, right? That's the one thing that you always hear every year is like two days worth of sales, stuff no one wants to buy. It's a little bit better in the fall, but still, it's a lot of gadgety consumer electronics, things like that. So nothing wrong with those industries, but a lot of times it's the things that like you don't really want. You're just kind of buying it because it's on deep discount. So I mean, you can call them out of your emails, get the stuff you really want on our Prime Day specials. You know, and just do whatever you want there. Uh, give advance notice of the sale. So go ahead and let people know it's coming up. Let them know you're having a two-day sale, three-day sale, right? Maybe it's better than Prime Day, whatever it might be. Let them start shopping. Maybe have some gift guides in there or suggested products. Uh, but the other thing you could do here is use it as a means to grow your email or SMS list as well. So they might not buy, but we know it's the unofficial, start, official, unofficial start to the holiday season, whatever you want to call it there sales is going to start creeping up a little bit. So you want to jump on this. So grow your list a little bit there. So, uh, you know, I've taken half the time. I got more stuff I could say on this, but uh, let's let's see what you got here. No, I would agree with you. I think, you know, call, calling it out and saying like, hey, we're going to do our own Prime Day. Um, I think one of the kind of things that's still lingering from COVID times is people like to research products and they want to buy direct to consumer versus kind of giving money to the big, bad Amazon. Yes. Um, you know, kind of situation. I think we're, it'll be curious to see even like, we'll, we're going to divert completely into social media. And like, you know, Meta Group has released threads and I've like resisted, but I'm like, shoot, do I need to do that? Right. So this idea of like, there's these big, bad software corporations. And so if, if you're a smaller brand or even a bigger brand, but you want to compete with Amazon, you can absolutely kind of appeal to that, like small business. Like we see it yeah. with you know, Black Friday, Cyber Monday, we see like the American Express, they do like small business Saturday and they like, you know, kind of push all that stuff. You can absolutely use Prime Day to push that narrative, which then encourages people to purchase from you directly and go, hey, I do want to support the local guy versus just allowing Prime to take all this business and all this revenue from the market. I think that's a smart way to kind of approach it. Yeah. So it was on my talking points talking about shopping from the small guys, not the behemoths as well. So use every advantage you have at your disposal to do it. Don't be scared of Prime Day. People are still going to shop on Prime Day. They're going to buy their stuff. The goal is you want to get them in to your store, whether it's for them or you just, like you said, they're comparison shopping. Maybe they want to buy it from Amazon, but a week or two later when they go start their holiday season shopping, they're back to your website. So uh, leave it there. If you have any Prime Day questions, feel free to let us know. But I would certainly kind of closing comments on that. We hit just at three minutes and now I'm killing us here, but that's, that's what I, I'm allowed to do it, right? No one's stopping me today. So don't run from it. Look at those days as kind of that official start to your holiday season. So don't ignore it. You want to jump on it. So just don't ignore it, please. All right, okay, final topic today. Wait, what? how mad would Hector be if we did a 4A on Amazon? All right, fire away. So I would say the one thing that I think some small businesses miss out on, I, I'd say, say small businesses, just like direct to consumer. So any business, if you're going to compete with Prime Day, one of the things that I would call out, and I've had experience with this before, 
I've contacted co like companies that I want to buy from. I'm like, hey, I found the same product on Amazon for $5 cheaper. Will you match the price? And I've never had a company tell me no. And it's because of the markup and the margin they're having to pay Amazon anyway to fulfill that. So to me, it's like, there may be some strategy in there that's like, hey, if you find this price better elsewhere, let us know. That's the old Groupon hack. You do the same thing with local Groupons, right? Because they're taking 50%. Sorry, Groupon, but you see something you want, talk cleaning service or something, call the company or email them directly and just say, hey, I saw this thing on, on Groupon. Can you match the price? I'll buy it directly from you. They will always say yes because they're keeping more of the margin. All right. Okay. So good. We're now on the blacklist of Groupon and Amazon. So there you go. We are. So they don't like me anymore. That's okay. And Hector, because we keep That's going. Okay. Hector, he's he's giving me the stink eye right now. All right, Gabe. Final topic today involves automated email, uh, automated email splits that we've been trying to get to for eight episodes now. So we talked about card abandonment specifically uh, on purchase history. I think if my memory serves me correctly. Yep. Uh, so let's talk about car total. Should we split based on the car total of the person abandoning? So what do you think? Yes, I love this idea. Um, again, this is like, we're talking about these types of strategy. This is like, are you optimizing the optimizations that you've already implemented? So like, if you have a one part abandoned cart series, like you should not be worrying about splitting at this point. You should be worried about like adding a second, third message, and then you can add splits later down. But yes, I'm a big fan of this. This is where you can incorporate easy, easy things kind of base level where if I have a free shipping threshold of a hundred bucks, then I can send those things down different ways. Because ultimately people go to, I need to offer a discount to complete the purchase, but it's way better to go, hey, Greg, if you get over a hundred dollars, you qualify for free shipping. And if I'm already over a hundred dollars, then all you have to do is remind me of the incentive that you're already giving. So you don't have to cut any more into your margins. You just say, complete your order. You qualify for free shipping because your cart's over a hundred dollars. Winning, you keep your you keep your average order value up. You're not cutting into your margins, and you're not giving a discount just because you think that's what you should do. So, yes, I'm a big fan of splitting on cart totals. I think also if you have a type of product that gets really high up there, you know, splitting those carts to go, hey, you've got thirty thousand dollars worth of stuff in your cart. Do you know we have a personal shopping concierge service? Like, we'd love to hear yep. from you. Let's walk through this. 100%. So it's all about overcoming the obstacles of conversion, right? So I always give the example, this is, I mean, this is gave 10 years ago, so it's a bad example, but it's still relevant because it still happens, right? I was buying a dishwasher and I abandoned it because a lot of them, you have to put the thing into your shopping cart just to see the price, right? So they try to get you that way. So I put it in there and then I get these abandonment emails and it's like, hey, don't, you know, the big call outs, free shipping over 35 bucks. Uh, and I'm like, yeah, I kind of expect free shipping. It's a dishwasher. It's, you know, whatever. I was spending 1200 bucks or something, right? You're promoting the wrong thing to me. You should be promoting hallway services and installation services. And do I need the tube, you know, the, the fittings and stuff with it, right? So it's those over, it's those obstacles of conversion want to overcome. So your, your example of the free shipping threshold is a perfect example there. Your high value carts, a perfect example again. So, right. The person who abandons the $20 cart, why are they abandoning? Well, it could be tons of reasons, right? It could be they didn't hit the shipping threshold. Two, you know, $2,000 cart, they're not abandoning because they didn't hit the threshold. It's other reasons they're doing it. They might be concerned about spending 2000 bucks, right? I always would. So concierge service, return policies, testimonials, if it's clothing, right? This is the perfect fit, things like that. Prevent a little bit of bracketing. So 
you know, you, you can always change your incentive strategy on these things as well. We know $2,000 cart, I'm going to make XYZ margin. Maybe I'm going to try to give them a little sweetener there on the incentive to get them to come back. And I can change that based on, you know, that cart total versus the guy with the $25 cart over here. I don't need to give them 40% off or, you know, whatever it, it might be. So there's so many things you can do here. Um, so I think it's great. You combine that with purchase history, you get yourself an automated workflow for the ages. I mean, there you go. So, all right, Gabe, the inbox is full today. A friendly reminder to all of you out there, if you have any questions you want us to tackle, leave them in the comments section. Find us on social, whatever you want to do. I'm on thread, so you can find me there as well. Don't forget to cl click like and subscribe. And remember, it's a myth that great email marketing needs to cost a fortune. And OmniSun busts that myth every single day. Give you all the tools necessary for success, including 24-7, 365 live sport. And we cost 40% less than those other guys. <coughs> Clavio. Uh, uh, sorry, I caught there. Clavio. If you're interested, check out the link at omnisend.com and in the video description. We hope you enjoyed learning something today. Thank you to our producer, Hector Salamanca. I'm Greg Zakowitz. And I am Gabe Bacaliso. Thanks for tuning in. Be sure to check out any past episodes you may have missed. And if you want to save some bank and see how Omnisend versus Clavio pricing compares, check out this video right there. Till next time, happy marketing, everyone.